as we welcome Matt into the show. Uh, Matt, thanks for hopping on. Uh, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Oh, doing great here. It's just a little chillier in Edmonton, but uh, not as bad as it was last week. So we're looking forward to a little bit of a heat wave uh, next week. And uh, talking about heat, well, that's uh, where the Raptors, uh, where we're going to start with the, the win last night. First of all, before we get to the trades, Matt, what did you make of the Raptors' uh, 121-97 uh, victory last night? Well, it was impressive. And it started right off the opening tip. Uh, going on a 10-0 run and in that opening quarter outscoring the Heat 41-18 and then ultimately in the third quarter with the Heat making a push outscoring the Raptors 30-16 to uh, fourth quarter Scotty Barnes did an amazing job you know, running the show scoring nine points um, five assists during that stretch and, and ultimately they withstood a run and, and it was uh, on an emotional day for the Raptors with the trade of Pascal Siakam. Uh, impressive that they came out and played the way that they did. And now you have Chicago tonight. who didn't play last night. They were in town. And, you know, the ability to sustain that energy and intensity will be key. How tough do you think that was, Matt, for the players on such a, an emotional day to come up with, a you know, a rock-solid performance like that? Well, I think, you know, those opportunities to play for some were there and they took advantage of it. And I think it's difficult, however, maybe a little bit muted based upon the fact that they had just lived through that with OG Ananobi. And, you know, two of the players uh, that performed at an elite level yesterday and R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel quickly had only been teammates of Pascal Siakam for a few weeks. So, but ultimately, uh, for Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent Jr. and Chris Boucher, who is the last remaining player uh, from the 2019 championship run, uh, it is emotional. And you are there every single day traveling with uh, your teammates. You're in the locker room. You're spending more time with them than you are your family during the season. And uh, whether... It, it, you know whether it was inevitably going to happen because, as we know, the rumors were out there. It's still when it does happen, um, it it does provide a little bit of a shock. I think that the OG trade probably was more shocking based upon the timeline. Right when it happened on a Saturday, when typically those sort of trades don't happen at that time of the year, at the end of December. Um, so I think after they you know, experience that. Maybe this was a little bit different, but still you're taking all those emotions in. Um, and for Pascal, it has to be emotional. He, you know, was an unbelievable player for the Raptors, uh, 27th overall pick out of New Mexico State in Las Cruces, New Mexico, playing out of the Mountain West. And uh, – the day in which he was drafted, you could read all the draft boards and all the sites that, you know, said, you know, what they said about Pascal. Mm -hmm. And he made himself into an all-NBA player and a key piece to the 2019 title run. Uh, and it speaks so much about who he is as a person, uh, his dedication to his craft and to the sport, that he ultimately uh, became the player that he is today, and he has an opportunity now to go to Indiana uh, with a team that right now is 
in seventh, but I think alongside Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner, a stretch five, uh, they're going to be extremely dangerous. Matt Devlin, our guest on Sports 1440, uh, in that kind of same breath uh, with the trades that have happened with the the Raptors, uh, Matt, what do you think of the haul that the Raptors uh, got in return? Well, I think when you look at it collectively, you have OG Ananobi, who's a 20th overall pick, Pascal Siakam, 27, both in expiring deals, Pascal unrestricted, um, OG restricted, and you end up with... Uh, two starters and R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the second round pick there that's going to be 31 or 32. Uh, it's Detroit's. And then you end up in Pascal's situation with three first round picks, two this year, uh, as well as Bruce Brown um, and, and a couple of other players, Lewis and Nuara. But Bruce Brown uh, is a player that uh, has won a title with Denver, and if if you're a team that feels as though you're in contention, uh, he doing this deal yesterday still allows the Raptors flexibility to quite possibly do another deal. And so you have three first-round picks, two in 2024. Uh, you also have your own that's top six protected because of the Jakob deal, uh, and then the 2026 first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the Raptors have as well uh, in that deal. So I, I, I say to people all the time that when you have an expiring contract um, and you're able to get assets as the Raptors did, you're, you're getting back a player, Bruce Brown, that a lot of people like. So whether you decide to keep him or trade him, uh, you can do that. Or then in addition to that, you got three first round picks. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that for the Raptors, they did an exceptional job given uh, where they were at this time, uh, knowing that ultimately they were going to make uh, the deals to reset to give the basketball to Scotty Barnes. What What are the chances you think they flip Brown here in the next little bit? Well, I think I think there's a I think that that's a possibility because mm-hmm. you have a player uh, that you know was a key piece in Denver winning the title. They just couldn't keep him because of the finances. Indiana went out and they uh, paid him big money and he ended up um, you know, struggling a little bit you know, there this year. But I think ultimately uh, if you're a team uh, in the NBA that uh, is looking for uh, a piece off of the bench uh, that can help you um, I think that that's something that uh, is going to be looked at. He's 27 years of age. Um, you know, spent time with Detroit and Brooklyn. Uh, Three-point shooter. You know, this year he's struggling a little bit there. 33% last year, 36. The year before that, 40%. But he is averaging a career high in points coming uh, in as a starter in Indiana. But a year ago in Denver. He came off of the bench, averaged 11 and a half, and I think that's probably how a lot of people you know, would look at uh, Bruce Brown as somebody to, to come off of the bench and, and play a key role. He's making, he signed a two-year $45 million deal, so he's making $22 million this year, and next year it's a team option for 23. So I think that there's an immense amount of value there if the Raptors want to mm-hmm. uh, make a deal. 
Matt Devlin, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Matt, I want to kind of touch on your career and, and things like that for a bit and hope you're okay with that. And just the, the yeah. fact that, uh, you know, you've been, the, you know, synonymous with the Raptors for like 15 years now. And just, you know, coming to Canada and what has that been like in the sense of growing uh, with the sport in Canada, with the Raptors, to to be a part of a, a, a championship. What's that experience been like for you? Well, it's been a dream and moved here in 08 with my family. And uh, there were some years I was mentioning to somebody earlier today, you know, talking about, you know, just the growth of, of the game of basketball and the Toronto Raptors specifically. There were years where, you know, I was broadcasting for a team that was 22 and 60 and the following year they won 23 games. And, uh, and then this unbelievable decade, uh, you can put Tampa aside um, because the team was, you know, down there because of the pandemic and the Raptors over that course of a decade have, have won as many games as, as anybody in the NBA, they're, they're top three. And so this fan base is, has just seen winning year in and year out. And it has been remarkable. And the stories that you hear, the growth of the game and certainly the 2019 title run, uh, brought all of that to the forefront over that two-month stretch. And uh, so it's been a special time, and I see it growing even more. And, and why is that? Because, well, outside of the United States, Canada has the second most NBA players in the NBA, and that's now been for five consecutive years. And there's no stopping that. And now the Raptors have R.J. Barrett, who grew up in Mississauga, born in Toronto, grew up in Mississauga. He's playing for the Toronto Raptors. You see... Shea Gilgis-Alexander, one of the top 10 players in the NBA, plays for Oklahoma City. The Team Canada winning bronze um, this past summer at the World Cup. And so all these uh, moments, you put them together, and right now you're, you know, it's the continuation of this unbelievable time in Canada where there's just going to be more and more Canadians that are going to be playing in the NBA. And I don't see it stopping anytime soon. And, and I think that uh, over the course of the next decade, uh, that number is just going to continue to grow. You know, even 3x3, Matt, you know, in, in Edmonton, we have so many 3x3 players that have done so well, men's and women's. So that's another, another part of Canadian basketball that hopefully will continue uh, to grow. So, for you to work with two analysts and so two different analysts in Jack Armstrong and Alvin Williams, how do you, uh, I guess, prepare game to game when you know, I mean, each person offers such a different perspective and uh, a uniqueness to their personality. What's that like for you to kind of bounce off each other uh, on other networks, I guess, uh, so to speak? Yeah, well, no, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I've known Jack for, oof, you know, it's been 25, 26 years. I first worked with Jack back in the 90s, <laughs> uh, late 90s. And so I've known him even, you know, before I came here. Uh, and we are great friends. And I think that that uh, shows up on the air. And I'm really uh, great friends with Albert Williams. I think he, he, I think people forget that, you know, he made the transition from studio to games and that is a big transition and he's early in his career and he provides an unbelievable perspective from the standpoint as an ex NBA player, uh, 
he can see so many things on the floor. And not only as an ex-NBA player, but also as a scout in the NBA. He's been a scout. He's been a coach uh, in the NBA. And there's just so much value in what he brings as well. So I have a lot of fun working with both. They're great individuals. Uh, they're you know, outstanding people to work with on a daily basis. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. And, and I'll say this, that, you know, for them, it, it, you know, they'll go a stretch where they may not have a game for a week and then come in. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the next one will have a game for, a, you know, uh, for a week and then they come back in. And so sometimes, you know, that it may be a little bit more difficult on them, right? Because there's a rhythm to the season. Um, and now, you know, we'll have sports net tonight and, and as we did last night. And so that's beneficial, uh, for, um, you know, Alvin and the crew and everyone, because there's a comfort zone there. And then when the games switch back over to Jack and TSN, there's a comfort level as you get into the rhythm of having a couple of those, but crew does an amazing job. And I'm very fortunate and blessed to work with people like Alvin, uh, and Jack. Well said, Matt Devlin, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. In the summer, Matt, you get to, I guess, pinch hit, so to speak, for Dan Schulman, the odd time doing Blue Jays baseball. A lot of the games are down in uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay. Uh, how much fun do you have calling those games? Well, I love it. It's, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun. Whenever they call, I try to make room in my summer. Uh, you know, I spend an immense amount of time on the road as as you know, you're, you know, mm-hmm. anybody that watches the games knows. So, uh, for me, um, you know, summer times are always sacred with the family, but any chance I get an opportunity, uh, when asked to, to fill in, I'm, I'm more than happy to do so. I started out in baseball, spent seven mm-hmm. years calling minor league baseball games in the Midwest league, the California league and the Eastern league and, uh, rode the buses, uh, you know, seven hours, 14 hours, and all of that as I put in time broadcasting uh, as I was also doing high school sports and college sports and, and all the other different things, trying to hone my craft. So uh, it's always fun. And, and I, I have shared this uh, in the past. So I'll never forget in 1993, I was announcing for the Palm Springs Angels. Hmm. And on an off day, I drove in. Uh, to Anaheim Stadium at that time, and it was the Blue Jays and the Angels, and I introduced myself. I got a press pass. I uh, introduced myself to Tom and Jerry. Oh, wow. Uh, and, you know, said, you know, you know, hi, you know, Matt Devlin. I work with the Palm Springs Angels, and, you know, I've just started out in, in this, you know, profession. Mm-hmm. And they were both so exceptional uh, to me. Uh Tom uh, said, hey, how do you keep score? You know, what do you use? Well, I, I, well and he takes a scorecard out, rips it out of his um, uh, book and says, here, you can use this and just get a you know copy of it. I got this originally from Jack Buck and changed some things. And, you know, how do you – because remember, this is before – uh, computers, right, mm-hmm. and, and laptops, and and the internet, and all those things that you know back then you're you're actually just taking box scores out of the newspaper and and everything else. And he showed me how he kept track of all of that through you know this binder that he kept, three ring binder. And I adopted that. And then he also took out these sheets of paper that he gave me that 
had like the pitching uh, records that you would hand write in. And so I'd sit there after every game. I'd go back to the Motel 6 and and sit there and hand write in everything and all the things that Tom did. And then Jerry said, hey, here's my uh, address. When you have a cassette tape that you feel comfortable with, please send it to me. And I did. And he wrote back and, you know, gave me some unbelievable advice. So for me, any time that I get that opportunity, and as you know, some yeah. some seasons I, I pop in, some seasons I don't, uh, but I remember the first time walking into a Jay's uh, booth and how that felt for me kind of full circle, and I thought of uh, Tom and Jerry at that time, and at that point, you know, Jerry was still a part of the radio broadcasts, and I expressed all of that to him, which was, um, you know, Mm-hmm. Not only special for me, but uh, it was great to see the the reaction and response of, of Jerry. Uh, that's just a wonderful story. Is we're, we're with uh, Matt Devil in Toronto Raptors, play by play man. So when you have to do uh, the pinch hitting for baseball, and again with your baseball background, do you still find it because basketball is so much quicker and faster, and you're always talking? Do you find those small little you know lulls or silence? Uh, parts of the broadcast, do you, do you kind of find yourself going, man, shouldn't I be talking kind of thing, you know, be just like I do in basketball? Well, it's interesting. All all sports have a rhythm to it, right? In basketball and hockey, there's some similarity to that because you follow the basketball, you follow the puck. In, in football, there's a cadence to it and a rhythm to it, you know, first and 10 from the 25. And, uh, and, and and then baseball, it's like you and I talking, you know, right now, but then all of a sudden, you know, there's a line drive into <laughs> left center field, you know, rolls all the way to the wall, rounding first base, heading into second base is Jose Batista with a leadoff double. And then it's kind of back to, you know, here's the replay. And then it's you and I talking again, top of the second inning, right? And you, you kind of – so it's baseball – from a preparation standpoint, it's an everyday sport and there's no clock to it. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you know, the prep is immense. Um, and there's nothing like being around the batting cages to get information. Um, and you, a lot of that, you have more time at a home game than you do a road game just based upon uh, the availabilities and based upon when you, have, you tape the open and, and different things like that. But uh, there is definitely a difference. Um, and and the, it, it takes you a few games to kind of get back into it uh, where you, you know, kind of take a big, deep breath and, and allow the game to kind of come to you. And um, But it's just uh, it's 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 a lot of fun mm-hmm. to do. Hey, Matt, I really enjoyed this, especially, you know, uh, talking about the broadcasting angle uh, for it, being, being in the business for 33 years. I enjoy uh, talking to guys that have been around uh, similar lengths of time and uh, uh, enjoyed our conversation today. Uh, have a wonderful call tonight against Chicago, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks for coming on today. Uh, you got it. Appreciate it. All the best.